When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Burning Questions podcast here on Fancy Football Scout. This show where hopefully we answer all those burning questions in the land of FPL. Back again once with me after playing his wildcard as well, after we had our nice wildcard special last week. Andy Sonaldo, how are you doing? Great, my friend. Uh, It is 11pm out in Seoul. I've had a very long day. So hopefully my brain isn't too fried and we can hopefully have an enjoyable discussion of FPL today. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's 11, it's, it's late for you there. We got a little bit thrown off um, with the time, with the clocks changing in the UK. We thought we were doing a different time to what we were, but we're, we're here and well. If someone could just let us know that the volume and the sound is all working well as always. Um, we've got a few things to cover. Andy was on Wildcard last week. We'll have a look at how that went. We'll talk about how we actually don't think that that much has changed over the past couple of weeks. We'll also have a look at a couple of teams in in isolation. So we're going to have a little chat about Wolves. We'll have a little chat about Chelsea and Aston Villa and have a look at some of those cheap midfielders as well. Sound low. All good. Fine. Let's, Let's go. So the first thing just before we go, let's have a look at how we got on in game week 10 our our scores are up on screen do you want to go first andy let us know how your wild card wild card went uh yeah i don't have my team up there so could you just read out my team for me Harry? of course uh so you had Ariola in gold then you had cash Simicast, gahey presumably as an auto sub salah saka matoma parmesan harland and uh watkins up front yeah so uh first of all great number um and, uh, 69 points <laughs> and uh i totally forgot uh Ariola was on my team uh, because everybody else has him so uh, unfortunate but at least he got that one pointer that we needed i think i was a little disappointed with the wild card um in hindsight i think it's easy to say in hindsight what i could have done better but again it's just one game week's worth and we wild carded for short medium and long term as well so let's see how it plays out not much difference from game week eight wild cards, such as yourself, Harry, but uh, I lost a ton of value. So that's the worry moving forward. Um, but mm-hmm. I see, we'll see. I think Her- uh, Holland obviously performed really well. By the way, some really familiar names in the chat. I just want to shout out Baker and uh, above average Adam, uh, two, of, two of the most genuine guys in the community. I see you, Suho Lee. Uh, Suho is a fellow Korean uh, FPL manager that gave me a message last year, Harry, where he said, you know, there's not many Korean uh, FPL managers out there. So it's like nice for him to see me potting and, and such as that. So I want to give him a shout out as well as Dave and other familiar faces. So good to have have you guys join the chat today. But overall, wildcard was a very meh kind of game week for me. Yeah. So I was 75, Ariola, Simicast, Cash, Son, ha- Salah, Captain, Bowen. Diaby was the big one I decided to keep. I was not... I mean, I wanted to keep him for Luton, but I was going off him a little bit. Matoma came in for me this week with a blank, um, disappointed by Brighton at the weekend. 
with Haaland so, and Watkins up front. So one of the things we've been speaking about is it doesn't feel like the landscape of, of players to buy is that different to what we saw last week. It, apart from, you know, buying players that hauled in, you know, maybe owning Diaby over Matoma, for example, which is a very hindsight type of pick. It, you say you're not massively happy with how your wildcard's gone. Is that just based off points or is there something you think you would have done differently or you'd like to have done differently if you'd, if, you know, if you've played it this week, for example? Yeah, I mean, really good question. Difficult for me to answer after one game week. I think mostly based off points, but when you wildcard, you have to, you can't expect like it to return straight away. I think that's just sort of the norm, right? Yeah. Um, maybe there was a little bit of, I mean, this is getting really picky, but uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Brandsworth? Brandsworth, yeah. Wait. Yeah, at Everton, I think was a sleeper pick that I had in a couple of drafts that I think at 4.0 value uh, is really good because now we know for a fact that Everton defense is not too bad, right? So little things like that. Maybe I overlooked the fact that I was when you are wildcarding, you tend to transfer out players to attack the fixtures, fixtures breed form, this and that. So maybe we overlooked Mbuemo on the on the wildcard, mm-hmm. but again, very hindsight take, right? So things like this, Matoma was sort of a punty, sort of hopeful pick, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, because I wasn't too convinced uh, in the recent Brighton form as well as his positioning. And he played super wide this game. So yeah. uh, he did have one or two really good chances. I think first half with his left foot where, you know, if he had hit the target, maybe it's a goal. So look, we, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. It's just the start of the wildcard 10. Yeah. And uh, again, with Matoma, I went with him. The switch from Matoma to Embuemo, I think will be very popular in and around game week 14. Brighton, I think they go away to Chelsea, which is not that difficult a fixture, but it is when the Brentford fixtures start to look a lot better. So let's hope that over the next three more games that Matoma can outscore in Buemo, but it hasn't started well, but that's the plan of move that I make. And I think a lot of people going on Matoma saw the next four and they've got Everton, Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest. Hopefully Matoma can start all three of those and then we can move to Embuemo as their fixture runs do start but yeah I mean I look at your team it's not that much that I really would have changed yeah maybe Taylor to Branthwaite but this you know that's hindsight given that West Ham had a pretty sleepy day at the weekend Mitoma blank yeah Watkins you're not going to do anything about Gahey you didn't want to start this week and that's fair enough so the Palace features going forward are good so mm. yeah I mean it's, it's, it's one week, as you said. We'll we'll yeah. look at how it how it goes over the next couple of weeks. Um, but both seeing green arrows this week, up to about 300k each. Um, so yeah, pretty pleased with a few green arrows in a row. Um, and I'm sure looking at your team, you'll continue to continue to do to continue to do the same. One thing we did discuss when you were playing a wild card was Kieran Trippier, who did not yeah. make the final cut. Of course, came in with a zero pointer along with all the other Newcastle defenders, apart from Fabian Cher. Are you pleased with that? I mean, you're presumably you're pleased with that decision, but it is one of those things where we're going to have to watch Newcastle every week to try and find a way back to him or, or to, to understand how well he's going to do. Um, yeah, Kieran Trippier t- continues to be the one that I wish I could own, but I can't own at the moment. Yeah, it's a really, really good question. I think... I think this is what I think. Last week, they played Champions League in the middle, right? Yeah. Not much rest time. And then the Wolves game away, it was really rainy. It was like there was a lot of rain. rain, And 
if you combine and couple the tiredness from the Champions League plus the rain, plus Wolves played a very tactically brilliant game where they had four, Nori played on the left basically, and they were pressing super high. So that combination was, you know, a very good way for Wolves to exploit their tiredness uh, for Newcastle. So I wouldn't read too much into this Trippier game because Trippier also made uh, mistakes that he doesn't make on a normal basis where maybe it was the rain, maybe it was tiredness. He struggled to get the ball forward and actually had like sort of a big error at one point. So uh, yeah, I think you're right. We have to wait and watch on the Trippier. If I could own him, I would own him straight away, but we just can't. Right. And Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, by the way, nice jacket there, Harry. I just wanted to shout your jacket out. Uh, Thanks. Uh, very different look. Uh, but please tell me about your team, how it went. And sort of, I, for me, the last three game weeks since game week eight have been green arrows. Yeah. But it's been incremental climbs, whereas it seems like you've made some drastic strides. So really good on you for for the changes uh, on the wild card. But talk to me about your the progress you've made in the last three weeks. Yeah, so I went 1.4 mil to like 600k to 400k to 300k. So green arrows every week having played wild card. And I still look at my team and I'm still pretty happy with it. There's not loads I want to change. Defensively, cash is great for the next few. Simicast is okay for the next few. Burn and Gabrielle are fine. The issue is they play against each other this week. So I'll probably have to end up playing one of them this week. Matoma's a punt and I'm happy with that. I am a little bit concerned by West Ham. So I've got two West Ham. I've got Ariola and Bowen. That's probably where my main concerns lie at the moment. So Bowen at 7.4 million, given the way West Ham are performing, is a little bit of a worry. Um, so I'm keeping mm-hmm. an eye on that over... The next few weeks, like I'm not going to be rushing to take him out, but I'm hoping that they rest some players midweek because they did look knackered. So the likes of Brighton as well, Matoma is good that they have a week off because they're not in the cup anymore, but West Ham are. And I think they've got difficult, don't they play Arsenal in the cup? So there's an, there's a risk that he plays again there and then they come tied into the weekend again. So yeah, that, those are the two I'm keeping my eye on. I plan, I, you know, I was doing some future planning with my team. I love to sit in plan my future team Bowen is probably the one that will have to go when I want Trippier um, and I could do that at some point but it'll probably wait until the Newcastle and Chelsea fixtures look better in about game week 16 so I'm pretty happy with it I'm looking at Saka in for one of those three midfielders in Bowen, Diaby, Matoma at some point over the next few weeks so yeah that's the key player that I took on this week in Saka and I'll take him on again against Newcastle and hope that Matoma, Diaby and Bowen can, can match him. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I Just the last thing before we move on is um, I, I like that you're open to possibly moving Bowen on because they I think they play Brentford next and that is not an easy game. 5-3-2, mm-hmm. you know, low block. Chelsea couldn't exploit that at all. So uh, I don't think this next fixture is a great fixture for Bowen, to be honest. Um, but... The power of two transfers is super mighty. And I think most people should try to, you know, not get too aggressive this week, have two uh, transfers Mm. ready for game week 12, 13, 14, 15, and uh, sort of find the time to make some bold moves. So, yeah, I'm not so keen on Boeing uh, Boeing this next game week, but maybe as a long-term hold, he's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I was thinking we'll talk about our teams later on, but I was going to sell one of Burn or Gabriel, but it feels like a little bit of over-management if I do that this week. and I don't see an option that I really love. So what we've got up on screen now is just the fixture ticker for the next four game weeks. Um, so what you can see... So Brighton are at the top. They continue to be at the top. Their run, sort of only Chelsea away over the next six, could be considered potentially difficult, but... I'm not even sure it is that difficult for for Brighton. They've got Everton, Sheffield United, Forest, Chelsea, Brentford at home, Burnley at home, which is why a lot of us have decided to take a punt on Matoma, despite what is now three blanks in a row. You've got Crystal Palace defenders in there, so they are second in there. If you are looking for a defender this week, the likes of Gahey, Anderson, I do think are very reasonable picks, which is why you went with them on. You went with them yep. on wildcard. And interestingly, some of them down at the bottom now that we are a little bit more invested in, right? So Newcastle, Arsenal and Chelsea and United all in the next four. Aston Villa are down there. The next two are nice. Then it gets much more difficult for them. And then Chelsea, second bottom of the ticker. So there are a few swings. I mean, we knew about these when we when we played our wildcard. And this is part of the reason, you know, that I've sold Madison. You know, Palmer is a good pick, but not an amazing pick because of those options down at the bottom. But yeah, Brighton, Palace are the two at the top. Wolves also very high up as well, which we will talk about in a moment. Anyone stand out here for you that you don't own, that you want to own or vice versa? Yeah, I think uh, for the immediate fixture, uh, fixture ticker, I don't think we need to be too worried. Um, mm-hmm. But right when game week 14 starts to creep around, yeah. that's when there's a little bit of fixture changes here and there. For example, I can think of Embuemo being a very popular pick in game week 14. Chelsea, I believe, game week 16 to 21 have incredible fixtures. Yeah. So um, even though Chelsea played bad and and that's your team, uh, James seems like he's coming back fully. Um, you are missing Enzo. You're missing Mudrich. So uh, when you have your full team, maybe you, you, game week 16 is a great time to hop on them. So little mm-hmm. things like that from game week 14, I think we discussed more on fixture ticker. Yeah. But what I realized from this game with Kerry is that we really, really need to attack the worst defenses this this season. I mean, this is getting a little bit into meta talk, but, um, you know, it's a season where the relegated teams, let's say the top five worst teams in the league, are significantly worse than sort of last season, the previous season. And I apologize for the, the you know, fans of, let's say, Bournemouth, Sheffield, and so on, uh, because Sheffield United, because I respect all Premier League teams that are Premier League for a reason, but it seems like the gap between the top top teams and the lowest team is quite drastic this season. So what I would like to say is that we need to try to hit the halls and attack the halls. And the worst defenses in the league are Bournemouth, Sheffield, Luton, Burnley. Um, and West Ham also is down there as well. So it is these four teams that I want to attack with talisman and high haulers whenever I can. Shout out to my my guy, Pross, who you know brought in and took that chance and he hauled, right? So... Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's a season where we need to target these fixtures at the bottom. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Just looking at who they've got this week. So, of course, Luton, Liverpool this weekend and the other one being Wolves versus Sheffield United. A few people in the chat already asking about um, potential netter replacements. And that is where we're going to go first to talk about some of the cheap mids here. So what we've got here are just all midfielders under 6 million ranked by expected goal involvement over the last six game weeks. I did it over the last six because otherwise Palmer 
drops down the list a little bit based on um, him not starting the first couple of games. But when you do filter it down, Palmer is top of the list. He is weighted by penalties, which he's had two of, but he does stand at 4.1 expected goal involvement. Douglas Luiz next with 2.9. You then have McNeil. Everton looking okay. Probably not the ones we're talking about. Neto was the one that people were really interested in. Of course, went off injured with what looks like a very bad and long-term injury. So hoping for a speedy recovery for him. And Wolves, it, you know, it's a real, real shame for Wolves that because they were Big shame. looking really good and he was very focal to that. And he is always a player that we've spoken about as being a very, very talented player outside of his injuries. So yeah, hopeful that it's not as bad as, as first feared. The other one then that people default to is Huang He Chan. But I suppose the, the caveat is, do we expect him to be weaker with Neto not playing? Do we we think Wolves generally will be weaker without Neto playing? The, the final one probably to add in there is Anthony Gordon. Of course, blanked against Wolves at the weekend, has Newcastle this week, but he's still great, I think, at his price of 5.7 million. So for me, there are four real options in Palmer, Douglas Louise, Huang He Chan, and Gordon, how do you feel about nice. these assets? Yeah, I think all four are very good enablers and budget uh, players. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Wolves or you want to start with Palmer? Let's start with Wolves. Okay, okay. I mean, give me your read before I, I sort of dive into this. Like, are so, you very... Hmm? Yeah, well, no, go on, go on, you go. Okay, so let me get a few things off my chest before uh, before I go on this uh, Huang Yichan sort of uh, propaganda speech here, right? So, why you know we all love football because usually it starts with uh, I think national team, right? Like whether you're you're obviously a big England fan, you're you're from England, right? And then you get into the club football and this and that. But being from East Asia, it's hard to fall in love with a club football team because I don't grow up in Manchester. I don't grow up in uh, Liverpool, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we tend to follow the players that are able to get into the top league in the world, which is the Premier League. And Hwang Chan is a Korean player, very few in the Premier League. So I've been following his career closely. Last year was injured pretty much the entire season. And I've been watching a lot of Wolves games this season. So this is the propaganda start, right? He, I, I think he is one of the most informed players in the Premier League right now, right? Attacking returns mm -hmm. five games in a row, League Cup plus Premier League, four goals plus one assist, six goals in the Premier League, which is, I think, joint third or fourth, alongside the likes of Bowen, Isak, and Boemo, popular, popular FPL teams that yeah. names that, and we don't consider Hong for some reason, right? Granted, Huang has taken not that many shots. So his conversion rate is very high. So you can take it two ways. He's very good at finishing, or you can say he's not a good asset because he's it's unsustainable and he's not going to get many chances. But again, I go back to the fact that you want to hit the players while they're in form, right? Mm -hmm. So Wolves, I think Wolves made a very tactical, uh, good decision this game where they took advantage of Pong's form. And what I mean by this, as we go back, it was a very rainy game. Newcastle played Champions League, couple days rest. They're very tired. So it all sort of worked together. And on top of this, normally they play three top with Huang on the left, Neto on the right, and uh, what's his name? Kunya up top, right? But this game, what's happened is Nuri played left, Neto on the right, 
Cunha left forward and Huang right forward. So basically, Huang and Neto played the right side and they were attacking continuously against a weaker burn and totally exploited that right side, right? Yeah. Uh, so Dan Burn got really exposed. You can see it in this game. Um, so all of this sort of coupled to Wolves having a good game. Um, and so uh, so basically, uh, the most unfortunate part about this game is that I would, with pure confidence, say Hong is a great, great pick. But with Neto's injury, now there's definitely a question mark. Because what Neto does, we I think we spoke about this last week or the previous week, Harry, where... Neto is so good at taking on defenders and teams that he takes a lot of pressure and allows a lot of space for the likes of Cunha and Huang, as well as the midfielders to push up and uh, basically get a, get the, get on the end of chances. So yeah. Huang right now, what he's doing is proving his worth as a healthy player in the Premier League. I think he's going to hit double digit goals this season. They definitely need Neto for him to excel. So the question mark is there. The fixtures are a little bit iffy, I would say so, but they play Bournemouth next. And I am point one off of making Palmer to Huang. If I wasn't, I would have made that move. And I had him uh, in game week nine as well. So that's how highly I rate Huang right now. He's just in the form of his life. Um, and I would definitely recommend him to people with the caveat being that Neto's out and we don't, we just don't know how that's going to affect him. Yeah, I was just trying to look up how many of Huang's goals have been assisted by Neto because I feel like it's quite a lot. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, so that that is the concern for me, um, that they are such a good team when Neto is in it. And I just am mm-hmm. not certain that I would trust them to do it without him there. Um, a couple of people in the chat saying that he's also, they think Huang's on four yellow cards. If that's an impact on, on your decision making, it potentially would be. So, yeah, for me, the Neto injury is enough to put me off, to be honest, that I would probably look at one of the other assets that we've spoken about. That without him, I don't think they'll score enough goals. He might be highly involved when they do, but I think it will drastically da- uh, decrease the amount of goals that they could potentially be scoring. I mean, I agree. I think it's a it's a hard one to say, you know, he's going to continue this because yeah. of the Neto injury. But again, let's not fence it here. He's still a good pick. I, I mean, his numbers are speaking. His form is speaking. If yeah. you look at the goal that he scored, this is a confident player. The way he scored is just like pure confidence, right? That first touch, he cut back. Um, if you ever have a chance to sort of see that goal, it, it, it's like it doesn't happen for players without form or confidence. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot going for him, I would say, and I wouldn't fault anybody for for making this move. And, you know, as, as much as I'm a fan of him, I'm also very careful at times when I pod uh, about shouting out players like Huang because I don't want to, you know, you know, just let my bias dictate what I think about him as an FPL asset. So I genuinely think he's a good FPL asset right now, if you can afford him. And if he's your sort of seventh or eighth attacker in your team. Yeah. Cool. Next up, uh, Newcastle. So Anthony Gordon was served his suspension, then came back in for this game. And then of course he blanked against Wolves and they have the fixture against Arsenal this weekend. So it's probably not one that people are maybe looking if they're buying this week, the fixtures are not as good for Newcastle, but they are the team probably out of all the ones we're going to talk about, maybe Villa, you would expect to score a reasonable amount of goals every week. But they do have Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United at home in their next four, which is difficult. 
I mean, if you've got Gordon, he's a, he's a definite hold. But I suppose if you were to compare Gordon at 5.7 to Huang at 5.5, would you favour taking the chance on Wolves fixtures or would you go for Gordon probably playing for the team that we expect to score more goals out of the two? I think I would avoid Gordon right now. I think I would go from game week 12. Definitely, Gordon should be on everyone's radar. Mm -hmm. um, again, we go back to the fact that Newcastle were just super, super tired. It was rainy. Um, and I don't know if they have a mid-week feature this week, but if they get some rest. Yeah, um, they do. And Gordon still had that. Gordon still had his chances against Wolves. Let's let's not kid ourselves. So yeah. he's an outstanding asset, in my opinion, and probably a better asset than Huang in long-term view. Uh, but again, the form for Huang is very good right now. But when Game Week 12 comes, certainly he's on my radar as well. Bournemouth, Chelsea, Man United, Everton, Tottenham, all all fixtures Newcastle can mm -hmm. do well attacking-wise. Yeah, so Newcastle go away to Manchester United in the Cup on Wednesday before mm -hmm. I believe playing on Saturday against Arsenal. Is it Saturday? Yeah, Saturday at 5.30. So again, if they are going with a full team in the cup, that's not a massive turnaround after a very difficult fixture once again for them, is it? So yeah, I probably agree with you that if I was buying this week, I probably wouldn't choose Gordon as my go-to option in that midfield. Yeah, I agree. Mm, Arsenal is just too, too difficult of a fixture, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Cool. So a couple more to cover. We'll go to Aston Villa first. Aston Villa are a team that continue to score a lot of goals and continue to score a lot of goals, particularly when they're playing at home. Um, before this weekend, they had 11 wins at home in their last 11 at home, 31 goals and have scored three or more goals six times. So again, continuing to look very, very strong. A lot of us looking at Watkins, Diaby, Cash, but a player that is not a you know, it's not a sexy FPL pick, but Douglas Louise continues every week to tick along. He's on set pieces. He's on penalties as well. He is involved. He doesn't take lots of touches inside the box, but he's consistent at his price. It's, again, it's one of those picks that I feel like I will never recommend someone to do, but then someone will do it and they'll come to me in five weeks time and say, Harry, he's got 30 points in five weeks um, and he just ticked along nicely. How do we feel about Villa in general? You know, their fixtures are looking really nice, but they do turn in, I think, about game week 15 or so. They do get a lot more difficult. So if you are buying new now, you have to understand that it does get to a point where they do suddenly get a little bit more difficult. They play Manchester City, Arsenal and Brentford away in 15 to 17. Douglas, I have Diaby this week and actually I've not been very impressed with him before the game at the weekend. Um, I still think he's a better pick than Douglas Louise, but what are your thoughts on Louise as the cheap option? Yeah, I mean, before uh, we go there, can you, um, by, by the way, guys, please uh, support the channel by subscribing and hit the like button if you can. And we have 20% membership uh, left for FF Scout members. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to do the plug. Uh, but could you explain what this chart is? Because I think some people are confused as to why uh, Adinga is not in there and Bowen and Bruno and higher price uh, players are not in there. Yeah, so the, the graphic is um, over the last six weeks, XGI for anyone under 6 million in midfield. So that will naturally exclude some of the more expensive players. And it was also filtered to people who have had a certain amount of start, which is why Adingra is not in it, because he's only just recently come into Brighton. Because if you filter it to anyone, you start to get 
some of the players who just play a few minutes off the bench starting to score score quite highly. Adingra, in theory, doesn't fall into this list because his underlying data since he's come into the team doesn't get him high enough. But we will talk about him having had another start at Brighton as well. Okay. Okay, great. So let's dive into Aston Villa. So let's look at their fixtures first. They have Nottingham Forest, Fulham, Tottenham, and mm-hmm. Bournemouth in the next four. I would say four decent fixtures, Tottenham obviously being the difficult one. Yeah. And uh, I think it's going to be possibly a high-scoring game, but also Tottenham are pretty good XGC-wise, so it's not going to be a walk in the park. And then game week 15-16 is when Man City and Arsenal approach them. But I don't think those fixtures are as bad as people might seem it to be because uh, Villa is a counter-attacking team, but they counter-attack from a very, very high back line, right? So uh, I think that Aston Villa have insane attacking output. They are tied first with Newcastle for joint top goals scored in the Premier Leagues this season with 26 goals in the first 10 games, which is a ton, right? Interesting enough, their shots per game and uh, ball possession is relatively lower compared to the amount of goals they scored. I believe their position in the Premier League is about 10 and shots per game is maybe top six, top seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but something like that, right? So you would expect a team that scores a ton of goals to have two very high stats. I'm not sure what their XG is right now. Um, Sorry, I didn't look it up previously, but um, if you can uh, check it out while while I'm speaking on this. Uh, Basically, what these are the really good counter-attacking teams, stat line, usually speaking. So basically, they don't dominate position. They don't take a lot of shots, but they score a lot because they use the counter to their advantage. Normally, when you think of a Jose Mourinho type of counter-attacking team, we can think of Tottenham a couple of years back. They sit back really, really deep, really, really deep. And so when they counter, it takes a lot of time to get from their back line all the way up to the front line, right? Mm-hmm. But what you see under Emery is that their back line is almost, their 4-4-2 back line is almost all the way to the half line. So... Yes, they do get scored on a lot. They actually have kept you know minimal clean sheets throughout the rest of this season. But when they do steal the ball, they're that much closer to the, the opposition goal. And they keep it super tight, right? You can think of uh, McGinn and what's his name? Zaniola on the left and right. Yeah. And they're not really wingers. Like McGinn is definitely not a winger. But what they do is they come inside and then you have Watkins and Diaby sort of free roaming Diaby likes to kind of make a uh, try to like you know go out wide and then come back in Watkins goes from left to inside which he does super well so it's a very cohesive unit of a counter-attacking team that's able to do really well I can think of the World Cup especially where uh, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina using this tactic where they played a very 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 high back line so uh, essentially they're creating a 4-2-2-2 when they attack and this is why I think Diaby is still a brilliant pick, Harry, and I would be very confident with him moving forward. He just got the goals. He's just finding the form. And maybe this is the time where he's, where, where he kicks off the campaign. When we talk about Douglas Luiz, I'm still not super convinced. I know he's on pens. I know he's on set pieces. Uh, I know he's scoring a ton, but he is also playing right in front of the defense. Uh, so he's a little deeper than Diaby. I just feel like Diaby's a better pick. But the price point makes a difference. And yeah. maybe the thing going for Douglas Luis is the fact that they play such a high back line that he's actually closer than, to the goal, which is why we, we've seen him make these niving runs into the box here and there. But mm-hmm. I'd be very hyped to have Aston Villa. Basically, the sum of all of this, 
Harry, is that they're a very good attacking team, but uh, Cash might allow in a goal here and there. So I think when the tough fixtures come, hop off the Aston Villa defensive assets, but maybe you could, you should still consider keeping Watkins and Diaby uh, because they can counter against any team in the league. Sorry for rambling. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, so they are fourth for XG so far this season, but I've actually overperformed the XG more than any other team in the league so far this season with six more goals than they have expected to score, um, interestingly, but still putting up numbers like Manchester City, Liverpool, Newcastle are as well so far this season. So it is probably of all the teams that we're going to talk about with with a cheap option available to them. Douglas Louise plays for the one along with Gordon, that we expect to score considerably more goals probably than the others that we've got in this list. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's too much of a hindsight take just because Diaby did well, but um, but I, maybe I wouldn't buy him right now. But if I held him, yeah, I feel like you should be confident having him. I suppose the question is, is yes, Diaby probably better pick than Douglas Louise, but if you're then comparing him to other players at his price let's say you've got six million again we're looking at Douglas Louise we're looking at Palmer we're looking at Huang we're saying that we probably wouldn't buy Gordon this week that means it's Palmer who's got away at Spurs and we could talk about Chelsea now Douglas Louise and Huang Hee-chan and maybe Adingra as well it's deciding which of those to go with at the moment it sounds like it's Douglas Louise or Huang Hee-chan if you need a midfielder in and around that price am I right? Yeah, I think so. I think, I, I mean, it's tough, right? I think yeah. Palmer, Douglas Ruiz, Hong, Gordon are all good assets. Just kind of depends when you, it's like the same thing with the 8 million price bra- uh, bracket midfielders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just sort of have to hope that you pick them at the right time. But yeah. in terms of form, I would say Hong Chan is right up there, including Douglas yeah. Ruiz. Let's just talk about form. In terms of long-term play and potential, I think Palmer is a good asset. In terms of game week 12 onwards, I think Gordon is the safest pick uh, in terms of certified Newcastle, great team. Plus, uh, you know, he seems to be in in the attacking returns as well. So maybe that's my read on the four players. Mm -hmm. Cool. Finally, we'll talk about Palmer and Chelsea. A disappointing performance. Brentford come to Stamford Bridge and win again, as they seem to always do. A difficult run of fixtures for Chelsea coming up as well, but... I mean, this is just Sofa Scores ratings, but Carl Palmer continues to be the highest rated Chelsea player after most games that we play at the moment. It is worth noting that Nkunku is going to be back from injury at some point soon. It sounds like he might even be back after the international break, which is much sooner than we ever expected to see him, but he is out on the grass training individually now. Now, as a Chelsea fan, people will be wondering what I expect the team to look like. I'd be surprised if Nkunku with the form that Jackson is in, if Nkunku doesn't take that role, given the way that some of the others in the midfield are playing and the form they are in compared to our forward line, it makes more sense for Nkunku to go and play nine rather than playing in the slightly deeper role alongside Jackson. Now, I'm not certain about that, but I do think that is a reasonable suggestion of it, which means, you know, it's not massively going to impact Cole Palmer. There is still a, you know, I still, we're still not certain when everyone is available, what the first choice Chelsea midfield looks like. Because at the weekend, it was Conor Gallagher and Caicedo playing deep. But Enzo Fernandez will come back into that midfield. And with Conor Gallagher captaining the side, you've got to presume that Gallagher, Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez will play pretty much every week. 
which then leaves three atta- sorry only two attacking spots on the wings for Raheem Sterling, Mudrik, and probably Cole Palmer to fight out amongst themselves, unless Nkunku drops deep and then it's only one. So there is a part of me as a Chelsea fan, I'm f- I fully hope that Cole Palmer plays every game. He is our best player at the moment. But it does concern me a little bit with the potential of where everyone is going to fit in. Five million for him, oh. though, is seems like a steal. And as you say, when the Chelsea fixtures in game week 16 turn, I think Cole Palmer will be in a lot of teams. Yeah. Wow, very, very interesting. I didn't I didn't think about that because I felt like Palmer is undroppable at the moment in time. It, you know, he seems like to be a leader in the team as well. Um, yeah. Remember this game, he was just kind of dictating to, I believe it was Diasia, Diasi. Yeah, Disasi. Disasi, Disasi. I've never seen Disasi play, but um, he was sort of like signaling to Disasi, you know, clapping. And uh, so there's that leadership role uh, with Palmer as well. And he seems like a key member of that Chelsea team. Yeah. Uh, I I remember even when it came to Man City, Pep still played him here and there, right? Even in that difficult team to starting 11 to get into as well. So mm. uh, I, I see Palmer being sort of almost undroppable at this moment in time. But with Enzo coming back, with Nkuku coming back, Mudric coming back, James coming back, there's, you know, limited spots. So yeah, interesting read there. Yeah, I suppose the other thing is, if you look at the Chelsea fixtures, Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton, United as the next five games it's pretty awful reading i think they're bottom over the next five they go slightly higher up if you include the next six where they go to everton away which is when the chelsea fixtures start now um i think he's absolutely a fine pick if you've bought him already again the question comes back to if you're looking in you you know you need a downgrade to get Sakarin, in to get salah in to get son in for example him at five million if you have you know six million for a midfielder do you just take the budget out and go Palmer and not not worry with the 5.5, 5.6 midfielders and just spend that money elsewhere? Because I still think at 5 million, he's probably the best asset in and around that price. But you will get Chelsea performances like the weekend that will frustrate you. But we did create chances and he was involved in them. So it could have been a very different story. I think he had two big chances created. If you actually watch the game, how he didn't come away with a return in that game... I, I don't quite know. So yeah, if I was still early on. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. So if I was buying, I still think he's the best asset around that price. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, let's let's talk about this game, right? So uh, again, we're missing some key players. They they hit a patch of form around game week seven, eight, right? Seven, eight, yep. nine, something like that. Where we beat Fulham, they... yeah, Burnley, and then Drew with Arsenal. Correct. So they, they had a... Uh, almost full squad, right? They had Enzo in there. Yeah. Uh, they had Mudrich, who was finding some patch of form. So, again, those pieces will come back. Reese James played some minutes. Maybe he starts very soon. Yeah. Um, and Cuckoo's on, lurking around. So, once that full team established, come game week 16, Chelsea might be a force to be reckoned with. If I look back into this game, I feel like Pochettino made a crucial error in starting De Sassi over Gusto, right? Because when you're playing a 5-3-2 low block Brentford, you need to play the widths, you need to pull out defenders, and you need o- overlapping wingbacks, or else you have no chance, right? Yeah. And on the left, you have Sterling and Cucurella. At least that combination on the left is going to pull defenders out wide, and you have some 
you know, attacking wing back. On the right, Desasi did not make a single overlap, you know, and so Maduke um, had so many isolated one uh, one on one chances where. Sorry, not isolated, but he was just left alone on an island. And he's also a left-footed player, so he's cutting back inside. So they're making the pitch even smaller and smaller. Uh, And then the subs were mind-boggling to me because Sterling was all of a sudden left alone on the left left when they switched to a three-back. So uh, with Matson coming back as a three-back, right? So I just think Pochettino made a really dumb decision this game uh, when the starting lineup, uh, sorry, Chelsea fans. And uh, I don't think I would read too much into this game. I think, I still think Palmer as FPL is fantastic. And as long as they get the starting lineup back and they, you know, they don't make these, you know, dumb decisions of uh, it's not dumb, but you know, not great tactical decisions in my opinion. Uh, I think they're, they're fine moving forward. So it was just a bad game matchup against Brentford. Yeah. He he likes so far this season. Sorry, I keep flicking my screens and realizing that um it changes your face, but I'll stop doing that now. Um he likes a back three center backs with one fullback that gets very far forward. We saw it before when it was Gusto and he played Levi Colwell at left back. So it'll be interesting to see how I think that is potentially going to evolve over um yeah, the next few weeks. I agree. Defensively, I'm quite interested from game week 16 onwards at both Sanchez and Colwell as well, the two cheapest options. But right now, apart from Palmer, I don't think we're massively investing. Yeah, I agree. Let's just wait on it. Their fixtures are tough. Uh, their players are coming back. And uh, again, game week 16, we can consider additional second, mm-hmm. third Chelsea asset as well. Cool. So I suppose just to, to finalise that, the other one is Adingra, who is starting for, for Brighton at the moment out on that right-hand side. And he'll come into part of this conversation as well. If you were looking to do a transfer combination of which you had to downgrade to a midfielder where it was six million at most at the moment, Andy, who would you... I think I would still go with Cole Palmer and I would take the money, I'd put it in the bank and I'd spend it on something else. And I'd know that when the Chelsea fixtures start in game week 16, that I'd be one step ahead of everyone else trying to go into him. But how would you agree or would you take a punt short term on Huang based on the fixtures and then move in a few weeks time? I think uh, we might be overplaying the long-term planning a bit. So I actually think... Uh, personally speaking, even though I have Palmer in my team, I would try to find a way to attack game weeks 11 through 15 before Mm -hmm. Chelsea's fixtures get good in 16. So the options within the under 6 million bracket could be the likes of Adingra. It could be the likes of Gordon's from game weeks 12 onwards. It could be the likes of Huang Yichan. Who else is there? Um, Maybe I'm missing a few. Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I think it's... uh, gut decision in some ways but mm-hmm. of the four i would go for them instead of palmer if you don't have him because palmer's fixtures are just why would you go for palmer right now when they have tottenham man city newcastle yeah. coming up so i would try to you know it's also getting it's getting tighter and tighter it's not the start of the season anymore where uh you're moving massive ranks like uh, the template is, is strong. And so you need to find these differences uh, here and there. Yeah. So I would try to find a way to attack 11 through 14, 15 with these budget price uh, midfielders as well, because I think we're all set up to not make too many tra- big transfers in the next few game weeks. 
essentially because we all wildcard it in eight or 10. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, just before we dive into the final little bit, there are 500 people watching and only 76 likes on the stream. So if you could like and subscribe if you haven't already, that would be fantastic. So one thing we did, as we mentioned earlier, we don't feel like the landscape is massively different to as it was a week ago. So we did want to do very quickly a bit of a discussion on on just making you all aware, I suppose, of where we think the template and where we think the picks are going to go over the next few weeks. So what we've got up on screen is the fixture ticker over the from game week 14 onwards. So for the next six from game weeks 14 to game week 19. There are a few things that stand out, particularly Aston Villa, as we mentioned, go right to the bottom of the fixture ticker for that run. So it is probably time that a lot of us will look to sell, particularly Matty Cash, and maybe double Aston Villa attack will not be quite as popular as it is now. A few of the teams that you've got up at the top, you've got Newcastle coming into a good run again. So the likes of Trippier will start to become popular. Liverpool continue to remain very high up there. And Chelsea start to have a little bit of a nice run as well. So although Chelsea is not one for now, the likes of Colwell, the likes of Sanchez, the likes of Cole Palmer from game weeks, you know, 14, 15, particularly 16 onwards will definitely be assets that we'll be looking towards. And as I think I posted on Twitter last year or last week, Matty Cash to Levi Colwell, I think will be very popular in and around this time. Yeah, my, um, nothing much to add here. Yeah, cool. I suppose the only other one is Brentford, but they're ranked, them and City are ranked lower down based off the blank. Um, and it'll be about how we go about navigating that, right? Because I'll want Haaland and I'll probably want Embuemo as well. But does it leave me a little bit short going into game week 18 is, is the big question that we're going to have to answer there. But Luton, Brighton, Sheffield United, Villa, Wolves in those five for Brentford, meaning I don't really want to, I don't really want to go without Brian and Buemo. So we may end up taking a bit of a lower point score or lower team in, in game week 18 to try and afford that. Yeah, I mean, just just on Buemo, he's a tough one uh, for me to read as an FPL asset because he's very consistent with his returns, but also <clears throat> it's hard to predict. Like he, There's a, also a patch within the first 10 game weeks where he had, I think, two or three game weeks where he blanked and then yeah. he does this 14, 14 pointers back to back. Right. So it's a, it's a tough one to, to read. Maybe someone you can go against, even when the fixtures get good in gaming 14, I think when gaming 15, 16 starts to approach, we really need to then start planning about game week 18. Mm -hmm. But right now I wouldn't look too ahead of game week 14. We're, we're all fine. We're in good positions. We're not yeah. going to make too many transfers from here till game week 14, try to hold the power of two transfers as much as possible because starting game week 14, 15 is when we have to really start planning for the blanking game week 18. Perfect. So mm. the final thing, I've got our teams for next week up just to have a try and draw all this into what it means for us. You have Cole Palmer in there at the moment. Um, your team is up on screen now. How are you feeling for this week? Your team feels quite well set up, I would say. After a wild card, it's always nice to roll a transfer. Yeah, I think so. I think I have a lot of away games. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. for the pod listeners, uh, I'll just read out my team. Areola in goal. Right now, I have Simicus, Cash, and potentially Gehi starting over the likes of Gabriel and Taylor. Uh, in the midfield, I've got Mitoma, Palmer, Sun, Salah, Saka, up top Watkins, and Holland, um, you know, as 
common of a team as it can be. Yeah. Uh, but for good reason, I would like to say that. Holland captaincy, no doubt about it. Uh, it's going to be good luck to the non-owners because Bournemouth is oof, hasty fixture for yeah. Holland. Um, solid ca- uh, vice captain. Maybe the big question I have for you is, should I start Gehi? I must, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I brought him to, in for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be honest, the more I'm not actually thinking that it's that Palace's away form is not great. And I do th- actually, if I had to predict, I do think Burnley will probably score in that game, but I wouldn't start either of those two on your bench over him. No. Okay. A- out of interest, does your wild card have any money in the bank? A little bit, very little bit. I think 0.3 or 0.4. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting that this really highlights the difference in team value from a game week eight wild card to Huge. a game week 10 wild card. Because if I'm not mistaken, the only real difference is I have. Bowen, where you have Palmer in here. Oh, yeah. No um, chance I can get to Bowen. Yeah. Which, yeah, I suppose. And, and that's, I suppose, like looking at my team where I need to, I don't, I'm doing my best to not leave money in the bank because then that, you know, I, I'm trying to take advantage of that, of that team value. But then Bowen isn't doing anything at the moment. So maybe it's not the best place to be spending my money. Um, Looking at my team, it's not that much I really want to change. It's Burn versus Gabriel. I could use a transfer on it, but I think that's overthinking. I I feel like as a community, we are becoming more and more fixated on having a good fixture every single week for our team. And every mm-hmm. single you're always like, oh, I've got a bad fixture for this week. I feel like before we would just play players in difficult fixtures rather than, you know, making transfers for one week. And I look at my team and I think I could sell Burn, I could sell Gabriel, but I don't think it's worth it this week. There's no one. Oh yeah, you have Saka as well. Oh, you have Saka over Derby. Go. That's the diff. That's the difference. <laughs> I was gonna say because that's like two and a half million difference. Um, so no, it's it's not quite the same. Fine, you've gone Saka and Palmer. I've gone Bowen and Derby. Fine, that makes things sound a little bit more sensible. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'll just play either Burn or Gabriel. I. I have no idea who I'll play though. The Arsenal away form is pretty good from a defensive point of view. I think both teams yeah. will score in this game. It's a flip of, I mean, I could play Taylor at home to Palace. It's also possible. One of those three, and that's what I'm going to spend the whole week tossing a coin to try and decide basically. Yeah. I mean, very, very interesting point you make there. Yeah. Maybe we're, because the competition is getting so much fiercer, maybe we're trying to find an edge every single week. But um, I can think of really good FPL managers like FPL General, shout out FPL General, who's as patient as can be when it comes to FPL. And uh, I've seen him have like super high ranks and suddenly he's come back the previous, you know, even this season as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, patience is definitely a virtue. Um I think your team looks good. I mean, your value is going to be so tremendous when it comes to the next wild card as well as the free hit. And it's not like our, like we're both having decent, like uh, let's say good seasons. And it's not like we, both of us are having bad seasons and you can see the drastic change in, in team value between mm-hmm. uh, wild card eight and wild card 10. Uh, obviously I could have had a little more better value if I kept with every pr- price rise possible, but you know, that's just not how I operate. So uh, so yeah, that that team value is going to come in handy for you eventually. Yeah, Bjorn makes a hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. Bjorn makes a very very good point. Just don't forget an exit plan for Mbappé doing Afcon. 
in case you guys don't uh, realize this, AFCON, I believe, is in January. Plus, the Asian Cup is in January as well. Sun is not going to be in Premier League for about a month, as well as Hangi Chan, who, if you're considering him, but most of us will hop off Hangi Chan. But just remember, Sun is going, going to be potentially out for three or four weeks during the Asian Cup, uh, Asian Cup uh, in January as well. So uh, things to watch out for in the near future. But look, let's not worry about that too much right now. So just on that, the prediction f- from those more in tune with the fixtures than I am is that Brentford Man City may well go into game week 20, which starts on the 30th of December. But it's possible that Mbwemo... When does AFCON start? Uh, let's look it up. Let me try and... Or is someone in the chat... I mean, it's a long way away and it's not something I really want to start now. But part of the reason people will want to buy him is, you know, in case that double game week... 13th January to 11th February. 13th but of you January. Also have, you okay, also so have he... to consider, like, how good is... Uh... I'm so sorry. What what nation is Mbomo from? Uh, Cameroon. Yeah, so how good is Cameroon? I actually don't know. Yeah, so. I suppose the issue is is that the double um, the double game week would fall at the very beginning of it, but he should, like, game week 21 starts on the 13th of January, so he'd probably be away from the 13th, and he'd probably be fine for game week 20 if... Yeah, game week 21 to 24. So he probably would be fine for that double. It's not something massively to concern yeah. about unless he was asked to travel like a week before, which they do sometimes, but it, it feels like he'd play in that game. Okay, not something to worry about then. Panic, panic yeah, over. No, but no yes, need to worry about it. But, you know, we'd be buying him. He'd blank in game week 18 if the double does come in game week 20 and then he'd miss, you know, he'd be out again. So we'd have to sell him straight away. Um. Yeah, so we want to think about, but it's not one to think about in game week 11, I don't think. I feel like that is a little bit too far in the future. Nice. You know what's uh, lovely about FPL, FS Scout, uh, especially burning questions chat, is that like even though you and I are the ones speaking, like every single person viewing us is very knowledgeable in terms of yeah. football. And the same with us, right? And we're, we're here just presenting our opinion. And it's nice to see everybody has... Uh, good understanding of these players and teams and Dom Sturry Dewsbury says Cameroon historically have been one of the better African nations potentially mm-hmm. meaning that you know they'll they'll be gone for a longer period of time so let's see let's see how it, how it works out in due time perfect we have um very quickly a couple of time a few minutes for a few of the chat questions um a few people asking about you know, Alvarez um, and how we feel about him. Of course, blanked at the weekend, but he did play pretty well. They've got Bournemouth at home at the weekend as well. I wouldn't be doing anything if you have Alvarez in your team. He's a stronghold for Bournemouth at the weekend, I presume, for you, Andy, if you had him? Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, super differential this week, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, please do put your... Uh, questions in the chat as well yeah Bjorn is asking about when Tony's back he's back in January at some point so similar time to Mbwemo going to African Cup of Nations we will expect Tony back from his suspension as well captaincy for you this week yours was on Haaland no thought of going for Salah against Luton presumably it's on Haaland yeah yeah zero doubt zero doubt but uh, I wouldn't fault anybody for trying to go 
different, but this is just not the fixture to go against Holland. Mm -hmm. uh, once again, Bournemouth, Sheffield, Luton, Burnley are all the worst four teams in the league, and he's coming off you know two goals, one assist, and potentially could have had four goals if it wasn't for Onana's brilliance, right? So uh, before we do a couple more questions, final plug, guys, final plug. Uh, please do hit the like button, subscribe, and we still have 20% off FF Scout. This is my commercial voice. Uh, let's do a few more questions, Harry. Cool. One, I think probably the final thing to cover um, is a little bit on Liverpool. So we we mentioned them when we talked about our team a little bit, but about how we feel about some of their assets. So particularly Salah, I feel like, is one that we don't need to massively talk about. The other ones probably are Simicast, Darwin, who looked great at the weekend. And then the other one, Sboslai, he's about 7.5 million, but... Two assists, maximum bonus points at the weekend, is so involved in what they're doing going forward. I feel like he's going to tick along really, really nicely. And again, I probably won't own him, but he looks like a like a really nice asset. How do you feel about both him and Darwin as well? I think Darwin's brilliant, but I, so was Sly, as much as, uh, as brilliant of a footballer he is, he's just not close enough to the goal for me on a consistent basis that he feels like sort of a... Not exactly, but JWP Southampton type of player where yeah. uh, it's like he's going to tick along. It's just hard to predict like if it's going to be consistent or not. So mm -hmm. I, I just think there's better assets at, at his price point. Yeah, Shabazz lies 7 million. He could be a nice... Yeah, too expensive. Well, I'm sat here with the Jared Bowen who's not exactly making his <laughs> worth felt at the moment. It has to be said. Um, cool. And Harry, presume... go, for, go for go for Martinelli. No interest yeah. there? I don't I don't think I have the money to do that. Oh, I do actually. I've got like 1.6 in the bank, but I'm going to want to get Saka in at some point. That it just. Oh, you don't have Saka? No, I need to get Saka. Um, I mean, I could do Bowen to Saka, but I'm not going to do that this week based on the fixtures. Uh, I you had I Saka. If you had Saka, I would recommend Bowen to mm. Martelli, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're going to wrap up there. It is late for you there as well. Um, thank you very much for, for potting me with you again. Uh, this is the highlight of my week. It's nice to just chin wag about FPL and the hot topic stuff. Anything final to add? If not, we can wrap things up. No, likewise. I think uh, it's been really enjoyable season potting with you so far and uh, you're doing a great job as well as uh, thank you for everybody joining frequently uh it's nice to start off the week on a monday uh talking about fpl late and marinate and then mm -hmm. panic when it comes to two hours before the deadline which seems to be the pattern of play for me <laughs> always always perfect thank you everyone um and we'll be back again next week see you guys